0: You're listening to the Imaginally True Change podcast with Prashant Goel. Each week we speak with courageous people contributing to a better world. Each one's personal triumphs and challenges lead us to reflect on a fulfilling professional life. Our guests inspire us to overcome fear and resistance and to walk our own path of dharma, that is our higher purpose. Hi, welcome to episode eight of the True Change podcast with Prashant Goel. My guest this week is Peter Mathis. Peter Mathis is a former venture capitalist and founder of the Conscious Business Institute, an international organization that provides new leadership models for global corporations to effectively deal with the global changes our world is facing. Before founding the Conscious Business Institute, Peter was involved in international technology and finance business for 17 years. He was a principal for one of the world's leading private equity and venture capital firms, Apex Partners and Company, and for B Business Partners, a 1000000000 billion pan-European VC fund. Peter started his career at Anderson Consulting also known as Accenture, in Germany. He later co-founded a systems integration and IT consulting company where he led strategic IT and internet projects for German corporations. And he's published two books and over 100 articles on business, finance, leadership, martial arts, and technology. And the approaches of the Conscious Business Institute have been applied in leading organizations, including BMW, Siemens, Alliance, Intel, Twitter, and others. He served as president of the German Venture Capital Club and helped promote a corporate governance and financing environment based on integrity and mutual benefit. Peter also serves as a global advisor and German chair of the Climate Prosperity Alliance and is on the board of several for-profit and non-profit organizations. And he lives these days in Santa Barbara, California. Just from Reading and hearing Peter's bio, we can see he's been up to a lot and that, uh, you know, I see the, the Climate Prosperity Alliance and the board of nonprofit organizations, as well as the Conscious Business Institute, of course, and what your mission is there. And it's, it's just a pleasure to have you here today, Peter. I'm, I'm really thrilled that you agreed to join me on the show and generously sharing your time with us for the next hour or so and uh and just start by asking you peter what's alive for you right now in this moment
1: in this moment oh
0: <laughs> in this moment <laughs> uh,
1: it's just uh, first of all let's be here being here with you i get quite a few invitations to to do uh, chats online or to do some kind of podcast or interviews. And I looked at your website and it, it, it was just really strong resonance there. And I can feel what you've gone through f- coming from your corporate career and doing this change and the transition that you're, you're going through. And so I could very much relate to that. And I think a lot of people are relating to this current environment doesn't work anymore and we need to change. And so it's very much alive for me right now that we are facing a big transition and that we are right here present in this moment to, to maybe able to provide some guidance for, for people and be, be with ourselves and and them in this moment.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. You know, I think this moment of change, which you just referenced and also in terms of the mission of the Conscious Business Institute about the global challenges our world is facing. It seems like, from my perspective, really a rapidly growing number of people are catching on to how there's a lot of broken stuff in our social systems and and wanting to let go of outdated... One size fits all types of notions of success. And, and it seems to me that that's exactly the placement of where some of, uh, some of your energy is directed these days. And, and maybe you have some more to say about that.
1: Yeah, um, I, I was, I'm was. i not sure whether it was lucky or whether it was unlucky at that time. But in, when I was a venture capitalist or even before, actually, in my first job at Anderson Consulting, now Accenture, I, I found that the way companies are run is very dysfunctional. I woke up one morning and stood in front of the mirror in Holland when I was on a client assignment and I said, what the hell am I doing here? Am I supposed to be doing this kind of work for the next 60 years? I'd, I'd rather shoot myself. So I went back to the office at, at home in Munich and asked people that were in the office, and are you feeling the same way? And they, they all said, yeah, it's kind of it's not very fun. But what do we need to do? We need to earn money. We need to get ahead in life. And all these kind of answers come up. But for me, that wasn't enough. So um, I was always pushed or or really pushed by my internal system that something wasn't quite right in the business world. And I was dissatisfied. I missed purpose. And so I was seeking for that. Uh, and never was really a fit, although I was always quite successful at it. Um, And in in 2001, I I think I realized that our world is going through such fundamental transformations that uh, everything will change. And if we build organizations in the in the same way that we do, we as individuals will probably be very dissatisfied and out of balance. And our environment, uh, much more so, it's just not sustainable the way we operate. And so then I decided to make the shift. And now all these changes have caught up with us during the last maybe 10 years or so, whether it's financial issues or global issues, globalization, climate change, the conflicts that we are seeing, the political changes that we are facing on all levels. It's, it's really a high pressure system that we're in at the moment. Wow. So I feel this is a an amazing time that we are living in at the moment to make a fundamental shift not just to rearrange chairs on the Titanic deck chairs on the Titanic but to really transform <laughs> the way we we operate.
0: Wow and may it be so how exciting to to really feel that and uh, I'm curious you know because I've been out of the corporate environment myself for for over eight years now and I you know I stay in touch by, reading some periodicals and hearing from some friends from time to time but i don't have a lot of of data points i wouldn't say and i'm wondering because you know you're a guy who who operated at a very high level in traditional environments and you know with vast sums of money involved as well at you know at the venture capital part that you were part of and and these days you know you you felt that all along this like lack of of resonance somehow and you were willing to to show leadership in that and do something about it and so these days when you share your message you share what you're seeing with with leaders of of big corporations are you seeing a lot of receptivity are you seeing resistance how are people relating to, to this message of, you know, it's time for fundamental shift in the business world.
1: Um, En gros, I see a huge receptivity, Mm. Yeah, because most leaders know that the world is changing and they might be pressured by digitalization or whatever the buzzword might be. Although they don't really know what that is, they know that they need to change, but they don't know how. Mm -hmm. Uh, because they've been educated in the old ways. And then to transform to a new model of thinking is very foreign to them. But all of the leaders that we talk to are very, very clever, usually. So they know that their organizations need to change. Uh, When we then go in and actually uh, speak about our approaches, speak about the way we need to lead, there's always a resonance there because it's not about business, it's about human behavior. Mm -hmm. We all want to express ourselves in the world genuinely. We all want to connect. We all want to make a difference. We all want to be sustained financially. And so if we talk about these general subtopics about human behavior, everybody says, oh, my God, if we could run our organization, that would be great. Wow, yeah. The problem is that many uh, of the more traditional leaders are not quite there yet. They they say, well, everything's working. I'm making my money here and I'm going to continue doing that. Uh, we spoke with a huge... Uh, one of the leading uh, big data companies uh, recently, and uh, they have real issues because they're doing financially well. The management is pushing and pushing and pushing, and everybody is being squeezed and squeezed and squeezed. But they are losing their talent because all the, the younger generations, they want to have a purpose driven environment. They're fascinated by big data. So they have a cool environment where they can express themselves. But there's no purpose there. It's It's really all about making money. And so they go in and they go out again and so this organization faces huge talent issues is the board ready to act on it the executive board not yet yeah because they are driven by their old way of i need to make more money i need to crank out some more uh, some more um profits here but many organizations especially if you don't go to the top level but maybe a little bit below on the vp level pretty much everybody's on board Wow. if you speak to those human needs
0: yeah right and and that's interesting because because even the nature of the conversation is is different you know because before it would be the human needs may have been considered but it was still secondary to Okay, but what does this have to do with our bottom line? You know, and now it's almost like the conversation can be: Yes, you know, we're a business, we're a corporation, we have the interest of uh, of having a successful bottom line, but we're also people inside this business, and our satisfaction, our engagement matters. And this seems to be, to me, I think, why this conversation is possible, and I'd like to get your take on this, why this conversation is possible is because of so many other changing social dynamics and economic dynamics, where the workforce has a lot more power at the individual level than it once did. And so because of the amount of choices individual employees have, it's it's getting top corporations to reevaluate because the balance of power has shifted somewhat or even significantly. What do you think, Peter?
1: Yeah, yeah, the balance of power shifts, uh, but I think there's just No more of the BS kind of in in the younger (laughs) generation. So they just stop with the BS. I want to work. I want to make a difference. I want to join a cool cause. And if you don't provide that for me, then you're not interesting to me as an organization. Right. It's as plain as that for many of the millennials. And and I think that's really. Maybe it's courageous. Maybe it's just how they operate. Mm-hmm. Um, we can actually see that's more how they operate because we're moving into a different era. It's, it's I call it the violet era where people, many more people are purpose driven. Yeah. Um, when you look 50 years back or 60 years back, it was Martin Luther King. It was Gandhi. It was Nelson Mandela. It was Kennedy that had a vision and they got killed for it or incarcerated. Uh, now it's it's more like Martin Luther King, get in line. We all have a vision here. We all have a purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't get killed for it anymore. That's the good thing. So all of us uh, younger folks, uh, or oh, you guys younger folks, <laughs> maybe not me. Uh, we want to make a difference in the world, and so it's become very normal to say that. And if if the big companies don't adapt, they will run into problems, and they know yeah. they know that they cannot compete with the upcoming organizations anymore if they don't pay attention to this so um maybe maybe there there are three reactions that we see in those large organizations the first one is oh my god something is hitting the fan here i need to push harder so we need to cut costs we need to squeeze margins we need to squeeze our people even harder and That's obviously a very fear-based approach that's not going to be sustainable Mm -hmm. for most organizations Mm -hmm. because they're squeezing the lemon so hard that the the peel is breaking. And then it's irreversible. The culture is kaput. Um, The second approach is that uh, I see most organizations take is say, we need to change digitalization, global change, climate change, all these kind of things are around the corner. But how are we going to do that? We need to build different cultures. We need to do this. We need to do that. But it's still a reaction approach, a reaction to something that's happening in the world. And as a reactor, we are always in the in the passenger seat. Yeah, we are not in the driver's seat driving the change. We are always reacting to the change. So it's also basically an adaptive model. And it, I don't see it really working because the employees in those organizations they say, well, "I don't want to change." You know, so the change is sticky. So most companies that we, that we talk to in, in, in that genre, they are just really grappling with making change happen in their organizations. And then there are the third ones, obviously, which are, which are riding the wave, or which are even creating the wave, whether it's a, a Google or whether it's an Amazon or whether it's those kind of organizations that, that are moving the ball forward. And for them, it's, they have, they're having a field day. They're creating the new world. That's where things happen. So, from an organizational and a leadership perspective, we have to choose which category we want to belong to, wow. and then maybe work in our organizations to make to make our organization fit that certain
0: category. So, for me, Peter, it's it's really inspiring to hear you speak with this level of clarity and and uh, directness about what you see because I guess my image of corporations is a little bit frozen in time back in 2009 and i'm I'm glad that the conversation has opened up so much i I think that with my kind of frozen image, so to speak I I thought that the conversation was still with a little bit more hesitancy, you know but it seems like, leaders are really picking up on this and willing to adopt it just because they see that that's where the future lies, that that's where, quote unquote, competitive advantage lies, and that it, it just makes sense on all levels.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, I- they do pick up, although we don't speak about conscious business usually. With with some organizations, we do, and we always name it uh, conscious business. But um, most companies just want to, have, want to have their problems solved. And they're facing big issues, talent issues or engagement issues or those kind of things. And then we come in with a different mindset and with a different set of solutions. And usually that works uh, for them. And if it doesn't work, then we might not be the right fit. Um, but what, what, whatever I see is maybe the difference is that many companies are still looking for change. And change within the existing system is not going to make a difference. You know, we have all tried our meditation. We've all tried our yoga retreats. We've all tried our wellness oases and all these kind of things. But when we get back into the same system on Monday morning, nothing changes. Because our same fears kick in, our same modes of behavior kick in, our same mindset is driving the show. And so we can change a lot. We can we can teach all kinds of conflict resolution mechanisms. All these kind of doing stuff in my eyes doesn't make a difference because we are still operating in the same system. Yeah. What needs to change is the system of thinking. And that's why I believe I got the name Conscious Business Institute about 10, 12 years ago. Um, because it's a change of consciousness that starts us. And this change of consciousness, this being level instead of doing level on which we work uh, influences everything in our life. So let me give you an example. When I'm working together with you um, and I see you as a schmuck. (laughs) Yeah, and then everything I say to you because you're you're my boss and I don't like you or whatever, then everything I say to you comes through these glasses of, my God, he's a schmuck. And I can pretend to be very nice, but it's still coming through the filter of my of my consciousness. Mm -hmm. So my being level is uh, influencing everything I say, everything I do. When I come from a different consciousness that I really appreciate you as a person, that your genuinity, whatever it might be, and speak from you to you from that perspective, everything I say comes through those lens through that lens. So that's when I say, when we operate on this being level, this consciousness level, it influences, it transforms, it influences everything that we do. And then everything that we do changes as a basis of this different consciousness. And the results that we see as a consequence is obviously also different. That's why this approach to go on the consciousness level is so powerful and sustainable.
0: So Peter it's it's great to to hear this and your willingness to be flexible to adapt to how the company presents its problem and the language that uh that ends up being meaningful for them to build that bridge to help them do that work and and the point you're making about the level of consciousness is very clear to me and how all of the systems that take shape around that mindset uh will will vary, of course, based on that level of being that you're describing. And so um, it just gets back to this type of transition that you were describing at the beginning of Call, the, the change that's taking place on the planet and how more fundamental shifts are required. And I think there's probably a lot of people in the world who are either in corporations or outside of corporations that maybe um, had some prejudice towards people in corporations because of the outdated ways of of thinking that they were seeing and because of um, destructive tendencies that came out of those outdated ways of thinking. And I wonder what your... What your reflections are about that for sort of a broader audience, if we include corporations, but also just people at large who've seen and had some of those observations, what would you suggest to to them?
1: Um, Quite frankly, I... um... I've worked with so many executives in, in all, I mean, in Asia, in, in South America, in, in the United States and Canada in Europe, all, all across Europe on all levels. And they're really great people. They're yeah, really great people. Peter. They're human beings and they have a wife and they have kids. And usually they're really great people with their vulnerabilities, with their abilities, with everything that comes on the plate. Um, so. Um, I, I can relate to that because my wife has been brought up in a in a university professor household, and there was always something going on against corporation. Corporations are not good, and she holds this belief, and it's not helping her. Yeah, it's not helping her because she's limiting herself with that. Obviously, she has a nice enemy that she can punch against the corporations is always bad business is bad but it's not helping her because she runs her own nonprofit she runs her own business and that belief is not helping her so um i would i would say to those people who see corporations as bad um is it really helping you <laughs> or are you just trying to to fight somebody and and good luck with that because it's not going to uh, help you in your life i would say uh see that those people are Um, individuals as well. And we all have been conditioned by our world, some of them are really screwed up, like everybody else. And they're operating from a very fear based perspective, and they're pushing people and they're making not very good decisions. Um, But but on go, I see people just really being willing to learn good and, and normal people. Yeah, and I think if we want to transform something our attention is not to change anything, yeah. Because when we try try to change something, we always get resistance. We push something in one direction, and physics tells us when we push something in this direction, we'll get resistance. So it's not going to work. Um, so what we do here is we just provide a different paradigm. We just provide a different an, an alternative for people to work in a different way or to build businesses in a different way. And then you can choose: do you want strawberries or do you want blueberries? And many people choose our paradigm because it just sounds much better yeah. and that by that we create change you know? Yeah, but our idea is not to go in you need to change
0: so i'm curious uh, about you peter as an individual as well because I, I love how you have this ability to bring it back to the common denominator of individual behavior you know and individual motivations and the fact that ultimately we're all so united in those, in those motivations. And, um, and I, and I can see how, you know, to the extent that, um, I, I personally had some bitterness as well. Like when I left the corporate world and, and some judgments, um, I can see how that mindset, can be very limiting. You know, I see that in my in my own relationship to the world, you know? And so mm-hmm. it's it's wonderful to to hear you outline that so clearly. It it touches something in me, you know, and I hope that other members of the audience can see like, wow, if we're really trying to stand for you, it means to to drop the the false notion of enmity, you know. And so so that's really clear and cohesive and, and wonderful. And so I'm wondering, you know, what were the influences in your life? And to hear a little bit more about your personal story, what happened, it sounds to me like there was almost uh, some level of reinvention that took place, even though you were drawing on a lot of the the training that you had uh, had brought to bear and a lot of this great experience you had. But in this period between the consulting and the VC and um, coming up with the Conscious Business Institute, what was happening in the meantime there? What kind of exploration were you doing?
1: Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a complete reinvention. Imagine the German guy being brought up, studying engineering, becoming wow. a master's of engineering, and then you go into some kind of business, and then he ends up founding the Conscious Business Institute in California. That's a oh bit, bit of a transformation. There. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it was just a nudge by my, my soul, I would say, the, the inner dissatisfaction that drove me forward, and just the feeling... This is not it. This is not it. This is not it. And I was very alone with that for a long time. Mm. Felt out of place, felt everybody else is just happy with their lives. And I was unhappy with my, my profession, uh, but I didn't stop seeking. Um, for some years, I probably went to sleep and didn't, but then it woke up again and I continued seeking. Um when the shift happened for me a lot when I when I came to California the first time when I sold my software company uh, and I moved to California and I got exposed to many um, very untraditional practices whether it's Native Americans or shamanism or um, my then fiance, she had chronic pain and so we decided to travel around the world to meet with all kinds of shamans, intuitives, psychics, people off the beaten tracks and so talking to all of these maybe 80, 90 people or so was life changing for me. And we stuck with one person who was living around the corner from us in Carmel. Uh, he's become my mentor. And so when I had a session with him, of he just sits right in front of you and you don't say a word, you just go in and he starts talking. And he talk, talks for two, three hours about you, about who you're here to be, about your wife, about your children, about your uh, parents, about, I mean, he sees everything to the point that it was the first time in my life that I was seen for my soul. He saw my soul for the first time in my life. And that was the the greatest gift that I received because it allowed me to be that. So I walked out of his session there and, and started, this is who I am. This is who I can be. It's possible. And from that time on, I started seriously pursuing this this journey and allowing myself to be more who I am.
0: When you, when you communicate that and you share this moment of coming out of the session with your mentor, uh, I felt in myself even a relaxation, you know, because I, I could almost imagine having the beauty of having the vision inside you validated, you know, and, and given strength to and reinforced. And that sounds like an incredible moment.
1: It is, yeah. it is. And, and it's really, it's, it's, it ripples out much deeper than that, because it's the, I believe it's the most powerful thing that we can do, we can see other people. Um, and we rarely do. I mean, when are we in a business world where we are being seen for who they are, we are instead of you have to be this way, you have to work this hard and all these things. So it gives us this Oh, my God, I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, and by living our own authenticity, living out this power, we give other people the permission mm. to do the same. So as I step up into my authenticity and I have the chutzpah to stand up and talk about these things and you do and we give other people the permission to do the same because it's an, it's a really energetic ripple effect that, that is, goes out.
0: Sometimes I think about it in terms of what you just described. I love this idea of giving permission to do, you know, for people to do the same. I, I sometimes think about it. It's almost like if I'm honest and I'm vulnerable, it's like I'm putting my contribution into a field of honesty and authenticity and vulnerability. And then that field grows because I grew up, you know, and I and I still have many defense mechanisms and conditionings around this that I that I work on layer by layer, but it's uh like where there was so much to hide and there was a lot of avoidant behavior and a lot of rationalization for having good reasons to not speak my truth or to share what my actual experience is because there's some experience of shame or, or what have you that prevents that, you know? And, and as I've started to understand that, that wasn't just something I was isolated in that actually on some level, that's a universal human experience. Mm -hmm. And I started to, to gain courage and acceptance. And which is like, as I mentioned, an ongoing journey, it, there's so much relaxation that can come from that, and I noticed that where I share myself with others, there, there's such a a different type of, type of richness that happens in those conversations, and I'd love to hear your yeah. thoughts about that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, there's nothing else to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and we we all want that. And on on a on a on a specific level, deep down, we all know, mm. we all feel it, we all know it. And when there is a glimpse of that check in with with yourself with everybody. We all know want the same thing to express ourselves to be not to fake it to make it to push harder all the time and to be all great. And but just to relax a little bit and just be ourselves. And and obviously, we would do it right away next second if we were allowed to do that. But some something happened in our life that it became life threatening for us Mm -hmm. to do that. Yeah, and then over time, we've forgotten who we really are. So if this is our authenticity here. We've kind of gone this way out into left field or right field from your side. And we're out here operating here. And our authenticity is constantly pull, pulling us back. It's pulling us. It's pulling us. Yeah. But to leave this environment, is we don't know how to do that. Yeah. And it's oftentimes very dangerous because people say, no, no, no. You've behaved this way yesterday. So why are you changing today? Right. <laughs> Yeah, so people hold us back. So what we basically do in our programs is we help people close this, mm. so that they can live their authentic power. Yeah, because there's we. When I was sitting in my office in in Munich and I was staring down that that big street and I said, you know, there's there's no curriculum available in this world that gets us back into our authenticity and live our authentic power. Mm and to make this transition, this inner transition that we have to make. And so that's what I wanted to develop. That's what we do.
0: Right. You've become a more expansive version of yourself. So what would your advice be, I guess?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I I was born probably in a very expansive state, so (laughs) (laughs) maybe much more than now. As children, we don't have any. We just it out, we are right here, we're fully present. (laughs) And then we forget (laughs) and we get conditioned. So it's always been there. It Maybe is has just been up, covered yeah. up to a certain extent. And I believe uh, there's a purpose in this because um, we're, we're coming here to overcome certain things in a lifetime and to grow as individuals. So if we want to grow, we have to ungrow first or we have to be, be something that needs to grow. So if, if I, I can only do this work today um, by having gone through this experience... Mm-hmm. If I wouldn't have come from this place of, of pain, of or dissatisfaction, of frustration, of and then moved through this and come to this place, I would not be able to speak with authority about these topics. And I wouldn't want to advise anybody because I didn't walk the path myself. Yeah, so there's a certain bigger purpose that's happening here with all these steps that I've taken. Maybe I've chosen to come into my family and, and experience those things. Uh, I believe that's actually the case and then learn from them. And now I'm passing them on. And obviously we're all still growing. So um, what I would advise for people is to know that there is a different level of expansion that's right there, who we are here to be and to not discard that. It's much bigger than we even can fathom. Uh, and to be gentle with ourselves and compassionate with ourselves in, in the moments when we get frustrated or when we feel, oh, my God, this is too dense and oh, being hard on ourselves. And it's, it's a part of our journey. And it's hard in those moments, but in that moment to maybe have a little bit of compassion. Yeah.
0: And so, so then for you, as you were examining all this, uh, what role has, has courage played in this whole adventure?
1: A big role, a very big role. I think courage is absolutely necessary because when we want to live out our authentic power, who we are really here to be, uh, we have to overcome our fears because otherwise we would have done it a long time ago. And the only thing that's holding us back is fear, the fear of uncertainty, what might happen, that we might run out of money, that people might leave us, that we're all alone under the bridge. I don't know what, but that's the fear that that keeps us away. So... Uh, we need some courage to, at some point in time, confront this fear. And it might be absolutely overwhelming at times where we say it's impossible for us to do that. Uh, but um, what helped me is to create um, more experiences like the one that I told you about with my with my mentor, um, where I get the vision of this. this gets so strong out here that I want to live this, that I'm being pulled through this fear. There was no other option for me. I just needed to walk, yeah. yeah. And so to to leave everything behind in Germany, my my career, my my fiance at that time, my wife, actually my my environment, my friends, my home country, everything, and start from scratch and basically turn my life into an experience. That's insane. I mean, that's foolishness. Some people call it really foolishness, but for me, there was no other options at that time. I couldn't wait to get get on the plane and yeah. come here. And then I started freaking out. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting, Peter, because there's so many different schools of thought and uh, paths and approaches when it comes to to consciousness work. And I'm just trying to inside myself reconcile uh, what you're sharing because, you know, the way I see it is there's there's this always the paradoxes that exist in in understanding life and human existence. And, and so I see the paradox of both being and becoming. And so, and so mm-hmm. when, when you speak about the expansiveness that's there to be experienced, I see that to be, yes, that's true. And, you know, like in a given moment I can be in nature or I can be, Uh, In a certain type of creative flow, or I can be in a certain type of relation with a close friend. And I experience that beingness, you know, and I experience that expansiveness, who I really am. But as I've also (laughs) done my work in my own exploration on the path, and I look at the becoming side, I see for myself, I I look at life as, as a lifelong project. I see life as something... That, you know, if I look at my experience, like it's like layer by layer of things that come up in my mind that I have to learn how to observe and de-identify from and discard so that there's like an integration process that happens. And that that is something that really gets away from the mindset, that the prevailing mindset in the world that's based on... Um, you know, hacks and quick fixes and instant gratification and perfectionism and shortcuts and this type of thing. And so I feel like the, that maybe one reconciliation of that is providing the tools to, to practice authenticity. But I'm wondering, like, what is your relationship to what I'm describing and and how do you see yourself in your paradigm and understanding relative to to how i'm seeing
1: that uh yeah i i, I, want, I would like to pick up on the be and yeah. becoming yeah. Um, a, a friend of mine said uh have high um have high expectancies but no expectations mm. so basically to to shoot for the stars and this is this is the being state i am envisioning and it's right here but it's it's ta-ta. it's high expecta- um it's um, ex- just a, just a high vision but if we have any expectation that it should be a certain way or any expectation that it should be a certain path then we're hooked again yeah and we're if that doesn't happen we're getting frustrated so for me being becoming is very similar when you say that we can we can be the highest version of ourselves, but if we tie any expectation to the becoming. I have to become that and then, and then I'm happy or I have to become rich and then I'm happy or I have to become more peaceful and then I'm, I'm, I'm happier. I think it's a setup. Yeah. So the becoming is also right here and right now. Um, so the, the question is, what can we do as a practice that keeps us right here and right now? and still moves us along the way. That's I think that's the paradigm <laughs> change, yeah. maybe, that we are still being right here and we are growing as individuals as part of being right here. And what we are um, doing in our programs, for example, is what we found is that there are really five steps necessary if we want to grow as individuals, if we want to spiral up. And I just recently had a conversation with Ken Wilber about that because we're talking about how do we How do we find a model that lifts people up in consciousness? Um, And do you want me to go through these five steps real quick?
0: Yes, yes. Okay,
1: so the first step is um, creating a different consciousness. Um, This is a fundamental shift of perception. If, If we are living in the world where I'm disconnected from you, I'm all out here by myself and I need to make it. I'm going to do whatever I can to make it. It's the paradigm of of the stronger person wins. And if you are left in the dust, I don't care, I win. Um, It fundamentally changes if we have a oneness perspective, that we are interconnected, that we are literally one and that everything I do impacts you. So if I operate from that perspective, whether it's in our personal conversation or in a friendship or running an organization and you're my employee, everything changes, everything changes. Because I am part of something bigger and suddenly I don't need to struggle for everything anymore. Yeah, so this first paradigm shift is fundamental. The second step is um, to understand that our model of success as we pursue it is the reason for all of our suffering. To do more, to accumulate more stuff and then become somebody is, is not working. It doesn't feed to what we really need. So that the the way we can become truly successful is only by being fully authentic. But what is that? Nobody in school told me who I was authentically. I didn't go to that school. So to discover what really our authenticity is. What basically the guy up in Carmel told me into my face, this is who you are here to be. And it expanded into, oh my god, this is this is me. And it expanded my whole whole personality. The third step is uh, to understand our unique gifts and talents, because we come here with certain gifts and talents and to put them into a higher purpose. So once we, it's not about us anymore, but to develop a higher purpose that we contribute towards, that we work towards, so that we become of service to everything around us. That's the spiritual growth part. That's one half. Uh, the second half is what Ken Wilber calls the growing up part. Is whenever we are out of power, as we call it, when we're operating from fear, from stress, from struggle, those behaviors that are keeping us back. Yeah, basically our fear-based behaviors. To understand what we call the model of dominance and subservience that runs many of our governments, organizations, and even our personal relationship. And again, that's, it's a mind shift from uh, scarcity because there's not enough money, there's not enough love, there's not enough safety, there's not enough jobs, there's not enough whatever we grow, go around with, I'm not enough, to uh, uh, a mindset of abundance. yeah. And once we do that mind shift, everything changes again. If you want to change your job, if, if you're in a corporate position and you have a sucky job, you say, I want to leave, but I can't leave because I don't have enough money. If you had a mindset of abundance, there's enough money around, there's enough jobs around, you would yeah. leave tomorrow. Yeah, So it shifts everything. And then the fifth step is uh, our what we call our emotional system, which is to understand our fear-based behavioral pattern that we exhibit every time again when, when we're triggered. Yeah, So for me, for example, whenever something happens, freaking out about money, getting stuck, stuck in traffic, which I don't like, when I'm getting aggressive at some point in time or frustrated, I can lead it back to one, decision that I've made about life. Yeah. And then I behave in a certain way. It's like opening a black box of Oh my God, now I understand how my engine Mm. works. Before that it was all in a dark room and something happened and I started to freak out. So becoming accountable and conscious about our what we call our out of power behaviors, our fear based behavior. That's the growing up part. And it's very rubber on the road, down to earth, not nice to look at. That's why many people don't like to do yeah.
0: it. <laughs> right. I, that's interesting what you said, because I feel like that's also part of the fundamental shift that is happening and continues to happen and needs to happen, is taking a close look at those fear-based behaviors and those scarcity-based behaviors, is, it can be unflattering, but, uh, but ever so rich. And I guess I'm left wondering in your own life, what did, I guess I'm really interested in all of those steps, but maybe we don't have enough time to, to look at it, but especially the scarcity to abundance. One of my guests the next week, actually, her name is Victoria, and she wrote a book called The Trance of Scarcity. And I found it to be a really excellent book. And, and it really gets at one of, it seems almost like the root cause of a lot of our suffering is connected to that, because we don't think we have options. And we we develop so many compensating behaviors for, for that sense of not good enough. And I'm wondering what that transition has looked like in your life, because there was always a lot of money around you, it seems like from your career and stuff. But of course, that relationship to scarcity is an internal phenomenon. And so it would be great to hear how you've worked with that transition.
1: Yeah, you're opening a big <laughs> box here. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Fear about money and not enough. That's, I mean, that's where the rubber meets yeah. wrote. Yeah. <laughs> um i i for a long long time and still am money is an issue yeah so for for much of my life i personally didn't feel enough as an individual i always had to be nice i had to be this i had to be a helper i had to do this i had to do that Uh, so i was brought up with a scarcity mindset that i was not enough with who i am Uh, so my value quote-unquote was not enough yeah, as a human being. And that, if we have this mindset, then obviously it gets reflected in our world. And guess what? Money is not enough. Because money in our world has become the representation of, of our value to a large extent. Yeah, If we have a million dollars in the bank or 10 million, God boy, are we valuable. Yeah, And we uh, show up like that. If we don't have a dime in our bank, we're like, oh, sorry that I'm here kind of a thing. So we attribute our personal value to, to money. So money has become very powerful in our world. Um, oftentimes I was, I was struggling with money and, and I always had money. It wasn't the case, but you can have millions in the bank and still struggle with money because you still feel not enough. Yeah? So even when I was a venture capitalist and making very good money and being involved with people who had a lot of money, so there was definitely no scarcity in my life, I was building my castle on quicksand. Because the moment anybody comes and rips the carpet on me, then gives me the pink slip, for example, my house can crumble. Yeah, so everything that I did is put band-aids on, on on my money issues and my fear around not being enough. Yeah, and so I became a venture capitalist. What a perfect place to be and to cover it up, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And so when I when I made this transition to come to Santa Barbara here and to start from scratch, basically everything was stripped away from me. I wasn't a venture capitalist anymore. I wasn't a husband anymore. I didn't. I had no job. I I was nothing, Mm -hmm. nothing. And I can tell you that for a long time, for years, I was still holding on. I used to be a venture capitalist. I used to be a venture capitalist until I realized I'm nothing. It's gone. It's it's done. And it scared the heck out of me. Uh, But once you go through this valley of death, which I call it, then everything emerges because suddenly you feel that everything is there. It's okay. And you're still alive. And then you come from your inner core instead of all the money and the cars and everything that you might have. So over time, I've become much more relaxed with it, because I see that when, whenever I express my authentic talents, you know, the fi- those yeah. five steps that I just talked about, authenticity, authentic talents, if I work on my rubbish, I'm in the flow. Things are coming my life, projects are coming my life, my, my way. Whenever I express my unique talent, there's a flow that I feel. So this fear has gone, maybe it's still there, but it's, it's gone to from maybe to from 95 to 5% or yeah. something.
0: Amazing. Amazing, I, I feel like what you just described, you know, with your own r- super refreshing vulnerability and honesty uh, and your own unique experience of that, my perception, I could be wrong, is that somehow that applies to 99.99% of us. And, um, and, and. I wonder, you know, if you're, you know, because I know in myself my version of that story, and and many people that I've met along the way who have have been in some way doing the work of individual healing and transformation, um, and in their own way progressing through those five steps that you described, because it's almost archetypal what you've described. Um, my own version of that was the exact same, just chasing something outside struggle and stress to achieve and in building a castle on quicksand and then realizing that for me personally, something still felt pretty broken inside and there was a lot of inadequacy and inferiority. And, um, and so I guess I'm left wondering, you know, that's, that's a great depth of work that you're describing. And, and, And when you're bringing it to a corporate context, are there are there people, you know, your program has a structure to it. Are you going to that level of depth with people? Is it something that's maybe more introductory? Where do you take people in your programs?
1: again we have a very structured approach which which helps because people always like to have a structure if we are just putting them out on a limb and say hang there for i don't know how long then they freak out Uh, but here they have a structure they know the context of everything so when we take them this is module one of our program which is about self-leadership we take them through these five steps step by step find them authenticity their purpose and then after they are saying wow, this is me, this is what I want to be in this lifetime, then there's an openness, what keeps me away from that. Uh, Sometimes we jump to a different stage in in the program um, at that point, but usually it always comes back to now I'm still freaked out, what's really going on here? And there's an opening to talk about these deeper issues. Some are not ready to go. There are some, they, they just don't quite get it. But many people really kick this around in their mind and say, Okay, I, I get that all of my frustration goes back to this model of six um, yeah. behavior. I get that all our dysfunctions in our company go back to this model of behavior. I guess that if I don't have enough money or can't raise funds for my organization, it goes back to that model of behavior. So there's a curiosity, can I please unroot this, this weed out of my life yeah. somehow? Yeah, And then there's an openness. Yeah.
0: And w- when you describe it and, and you use that metaphor of unrooting that weed, I sometimes think of um, of like positive thinking as maybe just planting more flowers rather than dealing with unrooting those weeds and, and that there's these types of approaches out there. But it sounds like you're really bringing something very powerful that people – you know meeting people on the level where they're at that they need with that structure and and with the you know the depth that they're they're wanting to engage in and I don't know I'm touched by it I think it's amazing work and I think that's how I was really impressed on your website and wanted to to reach out to you in the first place and so is this program that you're leading people through is it something that uh, that you've been doing for a while now, or is it still in an early stage what What stage of development is this program in?
1: Uh, we've been doing it since two thousand eight wow. yeah. so for for a long time already yeah and first we yeah. did it in person uh, and, and then it became much more structured and and we it's a kind of, kind of a coaching program that we took people through in person for many, many years. Uh, then, and then I started to take it online. So uh, we, we have online videos of, of all of these things, so we can scale it inside of organizations. We can take hundreds of people through it. Um, the best way to do it that we found is actually a mixture of, of uh, online offline, where we have webinars, where discussion groups, and then people go through this program online by themselves. So that's what we do a lot with organization. It's in the box, that's, that's what we do, and so it's, it's there. For individuals who want to transform, we have a public program, which is called the Conscious Business Ambassador Program. So people who want to stand up and want to become conscious business ambassadors for themselves or as coaches or whatever it might be, uh, they can go through this program and just go through that by themselves with with another group of people facilitated by us.
0: So Peter, it's it's ten so. years almost of doing that program, and uh, a lot of people touched and helped, and and then all of the great ripple effects that roll out from there. And uh, and I guess you know the feeling that comes to me, you know, as we come towards a close in this conversation is. Um, is a lot of, uh, gratitude for, for you taking this time to, to meet me here today for you sharing yourself in a, in a really authentic way that gives me permission that gives others who hear this permission to, to continue on their path of authenticity. And also thank you uh, gratitude for, for the awesome work you're doing in the world, you know, and, uh, and, and helping a lot of people change the paradigms that they're living by and the organizations that they're living by. And I guess I, I want to leave it with you now to just any any last thoughts, any closing remarks that you would like to to share with the audience today?
1: Yeah, maybe a couple. I mean, I had this insight about the Conscious Business Institute in, in 2004 and it changed my life said this is what i want to do with my life and so maybe i've been on this journey a little longer than some some other people (laughs) but since time doesn't exist it doesn't really matter (laughs) so again we're all connected we're on the same boat and and what what i believe in that we need to just really build a network of like-minded people because this is how our how our system can tip and so it doesn't matter whether i'm might be in the game for a little longer or you might be there for not quite as long yet, but mm. it, it doesn't matter. I mean, we're all just here to show up every day to 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 do this with each other. Yeah, uh, maybe the second thing that came up is um, many people say, "Wow, there's a different way to do business, but it's not real realistic in my world. It's not realistic in my company, uh, and that's that's." causing us pain because we are here in this day-to-day job and we see this other possibility that we want to work in. Yeah, this this maybe called a conscious business or more inspiring organization. And then there's this big chasm in between where I am and where I want to be. Uh, what I suggest to do is allow the possibility that this world is real. And as we speak more about it, as we have, as we have the courage to speak more about our convictions and about what's really inside of us, some people might freak out, but you would be surprised how many people say, oh my God, I think exactly the same way. And by expressing that, we we move into the space. Yeah. You know, to me, there's no doubt this is the way to do it. Period. End of story. Was I there all the time? No, I didn't think it was possible. But to me, there's no doubt right now. So even if you find one person for which it works, look at that person and make this your reality. Because Ultimately the reality is created between our ears. Uh, <laughs> and if you think it's possible or not, you're right. <laughs> and
0: really great encouragement on both those points. And a question that comes to me to to close with is in this moment that you're you're in, uh, is there is there a certain value that that you're orienting or practicing a little bit, uh, a little bit more attention to than others these days.
1: For myself, it's it's a lot about being present with what's going on inside of me, because I have a tendency to just there's so much stuff that I want to do and to just get on on the bandwagon and roll away, and not pay attention to the details. Yeah. So if, if there's something in a relationship where I should have said something or wanted to say something and didn't, uh, where I just plowed over something of my own feelings to just become really aware of what's going on inside of us so it doesn't blow up at some point in time.
0: Okay, so on that note, we're closing episode eight here with Peter Mathis of the Conscious Business Institute. And what a wonderful call it has been today. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you all for for listening. And all the best to you out there in podcast land. Namaste, Peter. So.
1: Namaste. Thank Thanks you. so much, Prashant. I really Thank appreciated you.
0: it. Bye.
1: Bye-bye.